SEP Fanfic Readings presents Finding Hermione by Ebook Dragon Chapter 48 Moving On Draco groaned as he opened the paper and looked at the front page. It was as predicted. Speculation abounded at how much Hermione knew of her husband's affair. The only mention of Granger House appeared as a connection to Hermione and Lavender's supposed collusion. What is it? Hermione asked as she walked into the dining room. Draco looked up at the worried frown on Hermione's face. "'Just what we thought it would be,' he said dismissively. Hermione fixed herself a plate of food from the buffet and came to sit down. Draco pulled her chair out, as always, and dropped a kiss on her unperturned lips. He lingered over her mouth. He delved in to find the taste of peppermint still linging on her tongue. She moaned against his mouth. It was occasionally beneficial to not have to worry about propriety at the breakfast table— Draco and Hermione wouldn't be able to do this if Rose were here, though he missed her bright chatter this morning. Draco's hand drifted down, and he squeezed her breast softly. Hermione moaned again and arched into his touch. He was tempted to haul her up into the breakfast table and make a meal of her. "'For the love of God, don't you do have a bedroom for that?' Theo complained as he walked into the dining room. He went over to the buffet and started heaping his plate with bacon, eggs, and toast. "'By all means, help yourself, Theo.' Draco drawled sarcastically. He dropped a quick, disappointed kiss on Hermione's lips before retaking his seat. Daphne walked into the dining room, looking a little green around the gills. "'God, I hate flu travel,' she complained. Theo helped Daphne seat herself across from Hermione. He gave his wife a worried glance before sitting down beside her. Daphne reached over and plucked a piece of dry toast from Theo's plate. The room's four occupants fell into silence. The sounds of silverware lightly scraping on china seemed unnervingly loud. The two witches in the room seemed to be in their own battle of wills. Hermione looked over at Daphne, but when Daphne looked up from the small plate in front of her, Hermione would look down again. Daphne would then repeat the process. Theo sighed loudly when he finally looked up from hungrily wolfing down his breakfast and saw the strange avoidance game the two were playing. He opened his mouth to make what Draco thought would be some snarky comment for the two to kiss and make up. Draco shook his head to silence Theo. The two witches were both stubborn, but both fully capable of fixing their friendship themselves and probably wouldn't welcome Draco with Theo's intervention. Finally, Hermione set down her fork with a sharp clink on the plate and looked over at Daphne. "'I know you don't understand why I forgave Lavender, but it's my decision!' Hermione snapped defensively. "'Not the best start to a reconciliation,' Draco thought. Daphne looked across the table at Hermione with a stubborn set to her jaw. "'No, I don't understand how you could forgive her. She slept with your husband!' Daphne practically screeched husband and Hermione. Daphne took a deep breath, trying to calm herself. I keep trying to put myself in your shoes, but I can't do it. I can't understand forgiving her. If some bitch put her hands on my husband, Daphne said, clenching her fist in anger at the thought. The dry toast in her hand was ground into crumbs on the table. Theo reached over to her and put a calming hand on one of hers clenched fists. He gently pried her fingers apart and removed the remains of the toast from her hand. "'Hey, look at me,' Theo coaxed. When Daphne complied with his request, Theo reached up and ran a finger down her cheek. "'You know that I would never disrespect you like that, even if I didn't love you more than life itself.' Daphne nodded and set her free hand on his. "'I know. I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes,' Daphne said, nodding her chin over at Hermione. "'I think the reason you can't understand, Daphne, is because you know that Theo would never put you in a similar situation,' Hermione said kindly. She reached over for Draco's hand, and he placed it in her upturned palm. Just as I know that Draco would never put me in that situation either.
Damn straight, Draco said, rubbing his thumb across her hand. Then why? Daphne asked plaintively. Help me understand why. Hermione clenched Draco's hand. Lavender came by the day before Rand's trial. How dare she? Daphne cut in indignantly. Hermione held up her free hand and made a shushing motion at Daphne. I had a similar reaction when Draco told me that she was in our living room. I thought she was going to beg for leniency for Ron. Daphne snorted in disgust. But I was surprised to learn that she only came over to apologize to me. She told me her story. Daphne looked like she wanted to interrupt and ask what the story was, but Hermione forestalled her again. That's her story to tell if she wishes it. I didn't agree with the path that she took, but I empathized with her. There's not much I wouldn't do for my kids, so I understood why she felt being with Ron was the only option she had, Hermione said. Daphne looked like she still wasn't convinced. Okay, I understand her reasoning, I get that, but why forgive her? She was the reason Weasley was obliviating you. At first, yes, hiding her was the reason, Hermione answered. Daphne looked vindicated. Draco felt his breakfast settle like a lead weight in his stomach at Hermione's words. He wanted to pull Hermione into his lap to convince himself that she was safe there, to make himself feel better about not rescuing her sooner. He hated that he hadn't been a part of her life sooner, hadn't known that something was wrong. Ron was responsible for his actions, though. Not Lavender, Hermione continued. She held up her hand again. And before you say it, I don't think she had any knowledge of what Ron was doing to me. Daphne nodded solemnly. You said at first, she said quietly. Yes, Hermione acknowledged. I have a feeling that Ron liked having that power over me and used it to take advantage of me. Even though I don't know what he did to me, I have accepted that he raped me. Even if I gave consent at the time... I wouldn't have stayed with him or consented to have sex with him if he hadn't obliviated me into forgetting about his affair. Daphne wrenched her hands from Theo's grasp and covered her mouth with them. She stared at Hermione in wide-eyed horror. Tears welled up in her eyes. Theo set a consoling hand across Daphne's shoulders. Hermione leaned across the table with her hands outstretched. Daphne met her halfway and grasped Hermione's outstretched hands firmly. I forgave her because I needed to heal. I needed to be able to put this behind me and move on with my life. Give her a job so that she could move on with hers, too. So that she wouldn't be dependent on a man to provide for her, Hermione said quietly. I'm so sorry, Hermione, Daphne choked out. Hermione ducked her head, and Draco couldn't stand not touching her any more. He got up from his seat and moved Hermione's chair back, causing her to lose grasp with Daphne. Draco picked Hermione up out of her chair and sat her back down in his lap, with her legs dangling over the side of the chair. Hermione wrapped her arms around his neck and tucked her head under his chin. Draco squeezed her into him as if he were trying to absorb her pain into himself. Hermione moved back and looked up at him. Draco wondered what his face looked like, because concern was the foremost emotion etched on Hermione's face. Her hand moved from behind his neck and came to rest on his cheek. Draco leaned into her tender touch and stared into her eyes. I'm okay, Draco, Hermione soothed him. It made Draco feel like shit that she was soothing him over her pain, her experiences. That wasn't how it was supposed to work. I should have done something sooner, Draco said to her, his tone full of remorse. Hermione leaned forward and kissed him on his nose. Draco couldn't help the unwilling smile that was forced onto his face at the childishly cute gesture. You didn't know. I didn't know. No one knew what Ron was doing to me. 
There was nothing that any of us could have done differently. It's over now. It's time to move on with our lives, Hermione told him with determination. Draco nodded in agreement. I think you're right. Hermione, Daphne said, calling their attention back to her. I have to ask, do you want to find out what memories he took from you? Hermione shook her head. I think it's for the best to just let that sleeping dog lie. For my mental health and my current condition, I'm going to let it go and console myself with the knowledge that Ron is paying for his crimes. I thought we could work out a rough plan before our meeting with the minister this morning, Theo said, not unkindly, but wanting, Draco was sure, to draw the conversation to less distressing topics. Hermione shifted off of Draco's lap and moved down to the chair next to him. So our goal should be to get leadership or oversight roles in as many departments as we can, without making it look like we're trying to take over the ministry, Hermione addressed them. Theo nodded, agreeing with Hermione's assessment. We're going to have to play this pretty smoothly to get Shacklebolt to agree to give us anything. I've been thinking of a plan, Hermione said. She pulled a piece of paper out of her pocket, unfolded it, and spread it out on the table before her. A quick replication spell was performed, and they all had copies sitting out in front of them. Hermione had made a list of all the departments in the Ministry of Magic, along with possible names written alongside the name of each department. "'What do you think of my initial plan so far?' Hermione asked as she gave them a minute to look over the list. Thea looked up from the list. "'I think I would prefer magical creatures over international magical cooperation.' He looked over at Draco, whose name was beside magical creatures, and asked, "'Are you fine with that?' "'I'll trade with you,' Draco answered. He looked down at the list again. As much as I hate to say this, Percy should be an international magical corporation as well, Draco said with a long-suffering sigh at the thought of having to be around Percy Weasley on a daily basis. Really? Hermione asked. Draco shrugged. He's good with all those international laws, and schmoozing with all the diplomats that visit the ministry. I don't have the patience for them. I'll limit my focus to international trading. I think Shacklebolt would be more accepting of that. Hermione took out a pen and started making adjustments. "'Blaze would probably worship the ground you walked on if you let him oversee magical sports,' Theo said laughingly. Hermione huffed a little, still not happy with Blaze's attitude when they told him about the cuff, but she wrote his name down next to Theo's suggested department. "'I imagine Porter will want law enforcement,' Draco queried, looking down at Harry's name written next to that department. "'Probably not, but he's getting it anyway,' Hermione said wryly. Daphne was looking down at the list. "'I think Tracy and I would be fine with marriage and family.' Daphne spoke up. Daphne, Tracy, Blaze, and Greg hadn't been assigned spots on Hermione's preliminary list. "'Are you sure?' Hermione asked. "'Yes, I think we can do a good job. We're both familiar with the new laws,' Daphne answered. "'I don't want to try to take it away from you. I know it's your baby,' Daphne hastened to reassure Hermione. "'Actually, it would be a relief,' Hermione answered, surprising them all. She looked around the table at their mirrored look of astonishment. "'What?' she asked. "'Well, Lioness,' Draco said, taking her hand. "'I thought we'd have to talk you down about taking on the responsibilities of more than one department.' "'That's why Daphne and I came over before the meeting,' Theo added. "'Well, it wouldn't make sense if we took the work from Kingsley and just piled it on me,' Hermione huffed in irritation. "'Then it would look like I'm trying to take the minister's spot.' "'Yes, well, we know that, Hermione. We just worry that you may not know that.' Theo said teasingly. Hermione rolled her eyes at him. It's almost nine, Hermione said, looking at her watch. Is there anything else we need to discuss before we left? Draco slid the paper across to her with the front page prominent. How do you want to handle this? he asked. 
Draco watched as Hermione's eyes quickly scanned the articles in front of him. Her nostrils flared in rising anger. Hermione then slapped the paper down on the table. "'I am so sick and tired of this paper printing complete rubbish!' Hermione vented. "'I keep thinking they're going to change and print properly scorched news, and then this happens!' "'You may have to,' Draco ventured. Hermione cut him off with a raised hand. "'Do not say fire lavender!' "'Okay,' Draco said in resignation. He sat back in his chair and folded his hands across his middle. "'I won't say it, but that doesn't mean that it's not the best solution to our problem.' "'Maybe,' Hermione conceded, but stopped Draco before he had a chance to think that she might actually change her mind on this. "'But what kind of person does that make me if I fire someone who needs a job and the safety and acceptance that comes with it?' "'Smart,' Draco shot back. "'You're thinking about the organization you started, and the best option to keep it afloat to help other women who need a safe place. The needs of the many sometimes have to outweigh the needs of the few.' "'Draco, you are not changing my mind on this,' Hermione said stubbornly. Draco could tell by her clenched jaw and narrowed-eyed look that she was done listening to his suggestion. Fine! Draco threw his hands up dramatically in defeat. Daphne and Theo wisely stayed out of their little spat. Theo pushed his chair back and stood up. Well, let's not keep the minister waiting, he said, helping Daphne from her chair. Thankfully, the atrium was clear of press and crowds as the four made their way to their meeting with the minister. They arrived at the minister's office right as the clock chimed the hour. Blaze and Tracy sat on a conjured love-seat looking bored. Percy paced in front of the door. Harry looked irritated as he leaned up against the wall, watching Percy pace. Harry ignored Percy as Percy walked by Harry and asked, probably for the hundredth time, what the meeting was about. Greg stood in the corner, looking confused as to why he, of all people, was asked to be there. Minister Shacklebolt stuck his head out of the office and sighed, and gestured for them to come inside the office with a perfunctory, "'Come on in.' They filed quietly inside. Shacklebolt resumed his place behind his desk as he watched them get settled. Drago took Blaze or Tracy's idea and conjured a cream-tufted wingback settee for Hermione and himself. Hermione smirked at him as she took a seat on the conjured sofa. It was an ostentatious transfiguration for a meeting. Once they had all settled into their own conjured chairs or in the seating scattered around the room, Hermione addressed the minister. "'I trust you had a pleasant night.' Draco was unsure if the meeting would go in their favor if they started out on such informal grounds. He had to trust Hermione's judgment on the matter, though. Hermione's informality was rewarded with a very slight smile from the minister. If Draco hadn't been looking, he would have missed it. "'Excellent, Kings,' Hermione said. She opened her black leather bottomless bag of tricks and pulled out her list. "'Now,' she started, all business, "'I have a list of—' Several people in the room groaned loudly at Hermione's mention of a list, including the minister. Draco couldn't help but smile to himself. Hermione's methodical organization skills were well known, as well as her ability to over-prepare for everything. "'As I was saying,' Hermione said sternly, looking around the room at everyone, "'I have a list of the departments and the people I think would be best suited to assist you in overseeing the day-to-day -day operations of each department at the ministry.' She handed the list to Kingsley. He pulled out a pair of black plastic-framed reading glasses and perched them on his nose. "'What exactly do you see me doing?' Kingsley asked with a bit of suspicion. "'Well, Kings,' Hermione started in a conciliatory fashion, "'I'm sure there's a great deal for you to do. The Minister of Magic shouldn't have to concern himself with the day-to-day -day operations. He has the bigger picture to consider.' Draco thought for sure the Minister wouldn't be fooled by Hermione's flattery, but Draco was wrong. 
Shacklebolt was eating it up as Hermione continued to tell him how he was too important to be dealing with these little mundane matters, how he had trusted employees to deal with these issues. Finally, Shacklebolt was buttered up like a hot bun right out of the oven. All right, you make some good points, Hermione. We'll try this out for a month, but I want daily meetings on what's going on. I want to stay apprised of any situations. How about weekly meetings? Hermione countered. I don't like that, Kingsley protested. I can't agree to so little contact. If I may, Percy interjected. The minister gestured at him in a go-ahead motion. How about a meeting on Monday morning to go over new business, projects, or any ongoing long-term situations? Then on Friday afternoon, another meeting to wrap up the week. Wonderful plan, Percy. We'll do that, Kingsley exclaimed before Hermione could make a counteroffer. Percy, of course, beamed at the praise. If that's all, Kingsley started, I have work to do before my next meeting. I'm sure Hermione has copies of your assigned apartments for you all. Dismissed from the minister's office, they all gathered in the waiting area outside where Hermione gave them their assignments. Percy was both pleased and dismayed with his assignment. He looked overjoyed to be overseeing international magical cooperation. He wasn't as delighted to find out that Draco would be his partner. Despite Draco's reassurances that his interest would mostly lie with international trade. I'll be keeping an eye on you, Percy threatened. Let me know if you'd like any investment tips. I'm sure your family could use some help with managing their investment portfolio. Draco snarked back. Boys, Hermione chided reprovingly. Percy made a rude gesture at Draco, then wandered off down the hallway. It seemed too easy, Hermione fretted. I didn't expect him to agree so quickly. Considering how much you stroked his ego, I'm surprised Draco is not seething in jealous fury right now, Draco retorted. Oh, minister, Harry started in a high falsetto and pretending to clutch a string of pearls around his neck. You worked so hard to put the ministry back to rights after the war. You got all those nasty Voldemort sympathizers out of the ministry. Everyone started laughing at Harry's impersonation of Hermione. Hermione grinned and swatted Harry playfully. Oh, minister, Blaze took up the teasing. You're such a strong and wise wizard. We have ever so much to learn from you. Oh, minister, Theo started with a grin. You're going to be considered the best minister of magic we've ever had in all your efforts during the restoration. Theo started fanning himself. Oh, I'm so overcome, minister. You simply must sign my cleavage. And Theo theatrically opened his robe, exposing the white dress shirt underneath. Enough, enough, Hermione wheezed between gasps of laughter. They all laughed good-naturedly at Hermione, who took their teasing with good grace. "'Don't you all have departments to get acquainted with?' Hermione asked archly. Blaze suddenly remembered that he was given control of magical sports, bowed from the waist with his arms outstretched in a dramatic worship. "'I'm not worthy,' he chanted over and over again, and trying to kiss the hem of Hermione's robes until Tracy elbowed him in the side. "'Ginny is going to be so steamed that you didn't recommend her for magical sports,' Harry said, laughing at Blaze's antics. "'Well, these spots are for the Wizengamot members.' Hermione said. If she can get Molly to hand over her seat to Ginny, then I am sure Blaze would welcome help from a renowned Quidditch athlete. Yes, 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 Blaze chanted. He looked like the only thing keeping him from dancing around the group in joy was Tracy's hold on his arm. Have her suggest that the Pruitt seat be passed down matrilineally, Hermione suggested, not bothering to be coy about her wishes that Ginny take over her mother's seat. Harry nodded thoughtfully at Hermione's suggestion. That brings up another point— I noticed that Greg didn't have an assignment. Hermione turned to Greg and said apologetically, I'm sorry. I didn't know where you wanted to be or if you wanted to help. 
Hermione shrugged and looked down at his feet and shuffled from side to side. It's all right. I'm not really sure where I would fit into all of this, Greg said. I'm not very political. Actually, I brought it up because I would like you to help me in magical law enforcement, Greg, Harry said to Greg. Greg looked astonished at Harry's request. But, but why? he asked in confusion. Well, you did a good job finding the Blakes. You asked for help to secure their safety. You thought of their needs before your own pride, which is more than I get from some of my auras, Harry told Greg matter-of-factly. Greg's neck flushed a bright pink at Harry's praise. He shuffled from foot to foot in embarrassment. All right, but if I get in the way, I won't think badly if you just send me packing. No worries, mate, Harry said, going over to Greg and clapping a hand on his meaty shoulder. I'll have already kick you into shape if need be. Who's Artie? Greg asked, looking apprehensive. Come on, Harry said. I'll introduce you to the team. The two left with a wave. Draco never thought he'd see the day where Harry Potter thought Gregory Goyle would be an asset to his department. Outside of their close group of friends, Draco knew Greg was used to being treated like the big, dumb lummox he was in school. To say Greg struggled in school would be an understatement, and eventually he was just too discouraged to bother trying to learn. It was true that his magic wasn't strong, and even now Greg was more comfortable doing things the muggle way, and usually more successful. "'I think we should get started looking into those applications to set up divorce court,' Tracy said, looking over at Daphne. "'Oh, please tell me that's not what we're calling it,' Daphne groaned. "'Isle of Repentance,' Tracy quipped. The two ladies kissed their husbands goodbye and made their way to the elevators in the ninth level, which was where the newly nicknamed Isle of Repentance was located. "'Let me know if you need any help,' Hermione called after them and received a thumbs-up in response." "'Well, I'm going to see if a certain harpy wants to offer me her congratulations on my new appointment,' Blaze said, still over the moon. If he kept it up, Ginny was just as likely to hex him as congratulate him. Blaze came over and gave Hermione a kiss on both cheeks. "'Use that Slytherin mind of yours to get her to convince her mother to give the Pruitt seat to her,' Hermione suggested. "'You mean, like, promise her cushy jobs overseeing the Department of Magical Sports? I would never do such a thing,' Blaze said with a faux indignation." Draco supposed that he should go and meet his new department. Percy had already beat him there, and was no doubt hoping to sabotage Draco's influence with the International Trade Division. The thing that Percy likely didn't realize was that the Malfoys were known for investing in lucrative ventures, both domestic and abroad. Rumors of Malfoy interest in the company were likely to drive the stock prices up for said company. The size and depth of their vaults was proof that Malfoys knew how to pick successful ventures. Draco's input would be welcomed in the International Trade Division— it was probably the one department where he wouldn't be treated with suspicion. Hermione stood on tiptoes and gave him a kiss on the cheek. Draco looked questioningly at her. I'm going to go get reacquainted with my department. I'll see you for lunch. I'll come and get you at noon, he agreed. Take it easy, please, Draco pleaded as she took off. Draco hadn't actually worked a full day at the ministry before Weasley's attack. By the time four o'clock rolled around, he was exhausted and ready to go get Rose from school and enjoy a quiet evening at home. Rose broke free from her teacher's line as soon as she spotted them come through the flue. She collided with their legs and squeezed them both so forcefully around the middle that both Draco and Hermione were almost knocked off their feet. Draco barely kept all three of them upright. "'I missed you!' Rose said almost accusingly as if she hadn't seen them in weeks rather than a day. "'We missed you too,' Hermione reassured her daughter." She smoothed a hand over Rose's hair, which looked like it had at once been a braided chignon that was likely too old of a hairstyle for a five-year-old. Her hair had come undone sometime during school, and hung in unraveled braids down her back. "'Did you have fun at Nana's?' 
Rose nodded enthusiastically. Nenesissa let me play dress-up with some clothes and we found in the attic. I pretended I was a princess, and I got to wear a giant crown. It was very heavy. I tried wishing for it to be lighter, but that didn't work, and Nenesissa told me to wear a different one. She told me the princesses wear smaller crowns and queens wear only the big ones on really special occasions. Is that true, Mummy? Draco guided them over to the queue for the flu, while Rose continued telling them all about her sleepover with his mother. He hated waiting in long lines to leave, especially today when he was tired. Drago tried to imagine his father waiting in line to use the flu anywhere and failed. He couldn't imagine Lucius Malfoy waiting his turn to use the flu. Lucius would have marched to the front of the line, shoving women and children out of the way with his walking stick. Not that Lucius Malfoy would ever have let Draco go to a public primary school, even if it was for magic children. Hermione, Rose, and Draco finally made it to the front of the line and arrived in the study at Spinner's End. Draco plopped gratefully onto the sofa, while Rose ran off to greet Tansy and wheedle a cookie or three from her. Hermione meandered over to their desk. Draco could hear a drawer opening, the clink of glass vials rattling around and a cork popping, indicating that Hermione had downed another dose of anti-nausea potion. "'What's this?' Draco heard Hermione ask. Draco propped himself up on his elbows to find Hermione holding up an envelope. Draco lay back down on the sofa. "'I don't know. Who is it from?' Draco answered lazily. Hermione seemed to find out who the sender was because she then said, "'This better not be what I think it is,' with a hint of trepidation and anger.'